little train, my little elf, another great Christmas. Have a funky, funky Christmas. Blair, we got ourselves a party here. Girls on the floor, no side posse at the door. Should I stop? Nah, cool, here's more. Of this song, a funky Christmas melody. Cause Jordan K feels all so Christmassy. Throw your hands in the air. Pause. Kick the ballistic Santa Claus. Hey, hey, happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Uh, excited to bring you this year's Christmas episode. Uh, it's going to be a great one. Got a lot of great guests lined up for you. Um, anybody that knows me knows how much I love the holidays and uh, Christmas in particular. So it's a very, very special time uh, for all of us. Uh, but for me, I, that's, I'm kind of a kid at heart anyway. And so it's the, it's the only time of the year when I don't have to apologize for my general overall uh, personality. So uh, I was hoping to be joined uh, this week by my friend Ryan Buchanan. He's a longtime friend of mine. I wanted to say that today is his birthday, so we wanted to give him a birthday shout-out and excuse him uh, from co-hosting duties this week. He's a, a big, big fan of Christmas like I am, and we've enjoyed having a, a, a friendly uh, competition of who actually loves Christmas more. And specifically, I wanted him uh, here, not only because it's Christmas, because of the guest. Um, my guest this week is going for our special episode is, is actually Rick Goldschmidt, who is the official, unofficial historian uh, for Rankin Bass. And if that isn't, name doesn't ring a bell right off the bat, you certainly are familiar with their output. Uh, Rankin Bass Productions are the ones that uh, have brought you us and have blessed all of us with all of these great holiday specials uh, that I know, that, of course, that you know, or uh, you, of course, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, Santa Claus is coming, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Santa Claus is coming to town, all the ones that you would equate, uh, you know, with Christmas over the years, the, the very unique uh, productions with the stop motion, uh, even the live animation ones, I mean, it's really not Christmas, uh, you know, you can say Charlie Brown Christmas, of course, but um, that, uh, and then Rudolph and Frosty, it's, I mean, that, that is Christmas, right? Uh, Rick is a very interesting guy. He has spent, uh, most of the past 25 years, uh, a good chunk of his life, um, taking this on, uh, the, the history and legacy of preserving that of, uh, Arthur, uh, Bass and Jules Rankin, um, to, uh, uh, you know, so people can, We'll always will know about. It. He's written books. He's putting together uh, all types of projects. He does uh, many appearances throughout the, the year, not just during Christmas time, but you know at Comic Cons and stuff. And so, uh, I've known Rick for a couple of years now. I've been wanting to catch up with him. Uh, again, a fascinating guy. Can't wait to for you guys to hear the interview that we did um, for our special episode here. Uh, again, uh, you know, I said, I wish Ryan was here. We've had so much fun, uh, talking about a lot of the characters from Rankin Bass, but we're going to have a good time today. Uh, I'm also, also, we have actor Colton Tapp, uh, coming back on the show. He's got a, a movie coming out, um, actually tomorrow. I'm actually going to see it tonight, uh, in a premiere, but we're going to talk with him a little bit as well. Uh, but again, like I said, my love of Christmas, uh, I'd like to talk about that for a little bit more, um. At length, it's something that I've always have just. It's always been very, very special to me. Like a lot of people, I mean, it's a special time. It's Christmas, but uh, for me, growing up, 
me and my family, uh, especially my, of course my mom, uh, always made made Christmas very very special uh, for us. And so, uh, you know, we weren't the richest people in the world, but uh, Christmas was was I, I always have great memories of. Uh, you know, I never went without. I always got that one thing that I always you know asked for all year round and all that. But but mainly it's just a great time for me. Uh, I love everything about it. I love decorating the house. I love the Christmas specials. I love, you know, the caroling, the food, the music, everything about it is just for, and I always, I've always felt that way. And I'm unapologetic about it. As you heard at the top of the show, I even introduced the show this week with a, uh, a uh, different intro song. That being, of course, New Kids on the Blanc's Funky Funky Christmas. And yes, I do love them and that song and that album, and I don't apologize for it. It's awesome. Uh, I'm very close with my sister, and she's a, was a, big fan of Hanson, and so when she was about 12, I would take her to see, you know, with the cool big brother, and I would I'd take her to the Hanson concerts, and they released this Christmas album called Snowed In, that, uh, which originally began as me just trying to please, you know, or appease my, my little sister, uh, it became something that I enjoyed and loved equally, and for me, just as much as a Charlie Brown Christmas and Rankin Bass and, and all of their output, uh, it ain't Christmas without Hanson So uh, around these parts. So, um, so far, just to tell you how obsessive I am, it's December 7th. I've already been to three tree lightings, planning on about three more. Uh, the tree is up. I have consumed uh, probably a lethal dose of Christmas crunch uh, already. Um, I try to eat healthy all year, but uh, I love Captain Crunch, and it hasn't been around for a long time, about six years now, and I couldn't believe it. I was in the grocery store um, actually doing some shopping actually uh, with my family, and you know, my mom had spotted it. She goes, Christmas Crunch, because she knows what a big dork I am. So, so yeah, we're in full swing here. Uh, it's Christmas time, and I'm very, very happy. Uh, and I hope all of you are with your families and looking forward to uh, and enjoying this great, great, great season. Um, and, you know, tweet at me. Let me know. I'd love to hear what some of your favorite songs are and uh, what are some of your favorite memories about Christmas. Because and, 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 we all have our own, you know, our own version of it. But for me... Uh, it's about obscure 80s uh, Christmas holiday specials that I like to collect and listen to um, 80s and 90s boy bands. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but it, it's a good time. Uh, so anyway, I think what we're going to go ahead and do is we're going to go ahead and get Colton uh, here. We're going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and introduce that to you. Again, he's got a movie coming out. It actually comes out tomorrow nationwide. It's called Three Days in August. And uh, it's great, man. I got a great cast: Barry Boswick uh, from Rocky Horror. Um, I, I mean, it just there seems like it seems like everybody is in this movie. Uh, Meg Foster, I mean, unforgettable her. And anyway, it opens. I'm actually going to get to see it tonight. There's going to be a special premiere in Dallas. I'm going to actually this evening, uh, but it opens nationwide tomorrow. So uh, three days in August. So let's let's go ahead and talk with Colton uh, about this release hotel here in downtown Dallas as you can see in the background it's Christmas time here and it is. in time for the Christmas season Colton that's right what do you have coming up sir man so this week 
December no. 2nd. We've got three days in August coming out in studio movie grills nationwide. I think it's uh, about 29 theaters, but we're going to be doing that. And hopefully this will be playing on December 8th, which is the Dallas premiere yes. here in my hometown. Fantastic. Okay, because that's, again, that's why I wanted to do it here in downtown. This is your hometown. Because you, you grew up in Dallas, right? That's or, right. Or in the surrounding areas. Yeah, Wiley, else? Texas. So just a little bit out of Dallas. but. And so, uh, yeah. and so, so for you, it's a, is it important to you? I, I noticed that a lot of the stuff that you do is um, it's very it's very specific. Uh, how much would you say that that the influence of growing up in Dallas has had on the work that you do? I would say a lot. I mean, I, I think it's shaped my identity. Honestly, I just have a very Texan vibe that I yeah. can bring to everything. You know, yeah. of course, there's some roles that just have nothing to do with being Southern, but uh, I think there's always going to be that flavor, and it's cool to be able to, you know, with all my family and friends being here portray that image yeah. here in a movie here in my <laughs> yeah. city you know so and so okay so we talked about this one time before last time that we talked so three days in August the premiere is coming out when you said December December 2nd December 2nd Friday. okay yep. so it's this coming Friday this coming Friday go to uh, and and so is it going to be in select theaters or is it nationwide this coming Friday? It's going to be in uh, nationwide theaters partnered with Studio Movie Grill. So okay. they've given us an exclusive release with the movie. Uh, when we were shooting the thing, we actually came up with a partnership that they would release it exclusively in their theaters. So it's going to have, I believe, a two-week release and then depending on sales, continue from there before it goes to Netflix. But, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Cool. All right. So, and who else? There's a lot of people in this movie, right? So tell me, to, tell me who else you got to work with in this sure, movie. Sure, it's an ensemble cast of family drama. So I'm working alongside Barry Bostwick from Rocky Horror, yeah, from Spin yes. City, um, Mariette Hartley, who's Mrs. Kodak. Yeah, right, and, right, right, uh, right. Meg Foster, Cal Bartlett, Edward Highland. So there's some names in this thing. And, uh, and Meg Foster is just like the height of this kind of the, the perfect creepy character for for the thing that you want to do you know what i mean like if, if, if i'm yep. a casting director and i need somebody powerful and effective is there god what was it like working with working with her that had to have been amazing she's one of the most intense but yet sweet when the cameras aren't rolling person right. i've ever met right. so she knows how to bring it but man those eyes i, tell I you know what. that's what it is it's Isn't like how insane. did you i mean you you had dialogue you have dialogue with her directly across from her yeah dude when you look into her eyes it's like uh it's soul sucking it's just like <laughs> oh my gosh give me give me something back <laughs> my life here well you yeah. okay speaking of that okay so barry boswick rocky horror written by yeah. some texas big people out in denton right yeah. yeah that's where that began so that's kind of kind of a bit of a full circle there uh you also make uh one thing i'm, I'm so impressed with you is that you're such a very very busy guy uh very you know ambitious but very independent you make a lot of uh, short films, uh, or independent films, and a lot Absolutely. of them are, are done right here in Dallas, Texas, right? Yes. Um, so let me ask you about this. Uh, you have a project also called 2% Evil. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Now, talk about geography dictating behavior. Is it fair to say that growing up in Texas, that again, without giving anything away here, uh, that the protagonist <laughs> in 2% Evil has got to have something directly to do with being from Texas, yes or no? I would say that probably has a little something to do with it, <laughs> maybe. You know, it's funny, um, I grew up on a, on a cow ranch here, I spent about 20 years of my life before I moved out on my own uh, on a cow ranch, and uh, my first business, we to perform in a way that you may not even know you can perform until you get out there and do it, but it just, it, it, it pushes the limits and it helps you 
create a better craft that people want to see, you know. So I think uh, I think when you're not in so much control, while to get back to me on certain questions, because, you know, we're, we're 12 hours apart and we're emailing each other back and for forth. Sure, for sure, for sure. I get cast for this role weeks before I'm supposed to fly out to halfway across the world and play some role that I don't know much about. Right. So for me... Um, being out of the country for one of the first times and and not knowing much about the project, not knowing much about the role, and not knowing the producers personally, yeah, that puts you in a funny position, right? For sure. There. And uh, for me, that was not only taking on that kind of role was challenging, but not know if you're going to come back alive was challenging. <laughs> yeah, you're so, always at the back of your mind, right? <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I think that one for me was. I, I had to sit there and think about: Do I want to hop on a plane and, and do this? You know, right. of course. Like you said, we, we thrive in those environments. For so sure. I said, if I die, I die. So. <laughs> well, and then in, in, in diving in, you know, both feet. So so coming up, okay, so we have this Friday, like yeah. I said, we have three days in August. When can people see 2% Evil? They can, they can see it now, is that right? No, um, it's still in the festival circuit right now. Okay, so okay. Uh, it's got a few ahead of it, but I would say... We could probably expect some time in January if it to be I'm, streaming for. Uh, I'm excited for people to see it because, again, like I said, I, 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 I want to see it at, at a festival that is not in Texas. Like, uh, so, is it? Are you taking it to Sundance, or is it going to be? Is it going to be? Or Slam Dance is going to be competing in any any like? Not yet. It does have two festivals in LA and okay. uh, one in Canada that it's part of right now, and we're waiting on responses for the others. Okay. Because uh, yeah. I would love to see it there to see that audience react to it. Yeah. Because I definitely think that it's going to be, you know, both positive. But I, I can see myself seeing that in a theater in, in Texas. Yeah. And there's going to be things that are going to be funny to people in Texas that maybe other people may not get. And I would love to see the reaction. And I think that that's actually why that film works so well. Yeah. Because it could be so many different things to so many different people, you know? I think so. I think so. And seeing the audience's reaction at the one in Texas that we did uh, a couple weeks ago was fantastic. They really... They latched on to some of the moments in the film that I didn't even expect them to latch on to. So. That's always the best, right? Yeah. I yeah. wanted to be there for that. I was I was out of, out of town doing doing some other things, and I, 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 I yeah. And so I yeah. uh, I heard I, I'm glad it went went well for, for the thing that. Uh, now, okay, so I wanted to talk about this. So your role moving forward, like I said, you've you've got this movie coming out. You've got the Two Percent Evil, but you also have several other. You know, very ambitious cult. So tell me, tell me what else we can expect from you in 2017. So it's either going to be the end of December or the beginning of January. My my film right after Three Days is coming out. It's called The Boundary, okay. and um, I'm, I'm very excited about that one. It's a space film. We NASA. talked about this a little bit last time. We did, but, but let's try to, to, to elaborate a little bit more about this because now now it's a lot. It's almost there. A lot has happened since last time we talked. Sure, so. I got to see a very small clip of it uh, yesterday actually, and blew my mind. Oh my gosh, the the animation in this thing about flying through space is just bizarre. Oh my they god! They really took an interstellar approach to it. And, uh, okay. I, I think the audience is going to have fun. So who now? Now you were rounding out the cast. Uh, tell people that are listening right now, our listeners, who else is in is in that movie? Sure. So my producing partner on Two Percent Evil, uh, Matthew Harris, is in this film with me as my co-pilot in space. But Neil deGrasse Tyson, the world-renowned uh, astronomer, yeah. is. One of our stars in the film and fantastic tries to talk me off a ledge when things are breaking, breaking loose in the <laughs> spaceship up there. So. Well, think about it. I mean, think about it. if you had anybody that you would want to talk you off the ledge. If you had a, if you had a, 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 a no short, a short list that would be he would. Yeah, yeah. There is no, I mean, that's him. That's it. You ask me and give you three. I'm choosing him. Right. Yeah. You know, we had we had uh, 
you know, Buzz Aldrin is currently doing a book tour, and we had a, the opportunity to speak with him. And you want to talk about a everything you've ever thought about Buzz Aldrin? It, there it is, right yeah. there. So, wow. so w- was that something that you've always had an interest in? What's that? Uh, just like space travel and and and, and I love and, space. And, and, well, I was such a huge fan of his before I even got cast for the movie because uh, uh, freaking Cosmos was just so life changing. Boom! Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, absolutely. It's just now okay. So if you so, so talk about that then because I, I love the idea. Like when I see an actor, I always like to think like what would they be doing yeah. if they weren't an actor? Hmm. And you do so many different things. So if you weren't an actor or had nothing to do with film, would you be a, a, a ranch hand? Would you be an astronaut? Like what would you what would you be doing? Hmm. Maybe I'd be a ranch hand in space. Maybe I would try to like farm cows on the moon. You know? <laughs> like like a like a galactic bar. There's such a market dance. for it. Yeah, they're going to need agriculture up there. You know. Well, you know what? I know the perfect band that would provide the soundtrack for it. My my, my friends in Clutch from Baltimore. They uh, they they have a a celestial yet almost barnyard type kind yes. of thing. So so we, we we ought to take it to the stage, man. We ought to. We, ought to. <laughs> we should. Well, it's funny. We talked about my uh, my old metal band last yeah, that's time. Right. We, that's right. We kind of had some of those vibes. You know, we had like synth and spacey kind of sounding right. effects in the background, but then we were like, you know, like banjo and southern right. guitar. You know. And no, and no one's doing There's a market that. for it. But no, because no one's doing it. Yeah. So, uh, so that segues into my next. Can they find you? Where can they find your production company? Where can they find you online? Yeah, mostly Facebook and Instagram is where I'm promoting things uh, live, real time. So, Dreamkiller Entertainment. You can look up on Facebook. You can look up Colton Tap on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, pretty much posting everything as it's happening about interviews, about releases, about premieres. So, yeah, keep up with me. Sometimes Same. I just take pics of me and my dog or something. So. <laughs> Colton, I, I can't tell you how much I've, I've enjoyed this today. And Thanks finally for, for you here. and I, I to get to sit down and, and talk here. Absolutely. Uh, so check it out and, and look up Colton. Again, three days in August premieres this Friday, uh, at December the 2nd. Yes, sir. And then you also, on December the 8th, is the premiere. It's going to be a Dallas premiere of the film. Yep. Is it, so the Dallas premiere in Colton's hometown, my hometown, three days in August. So... And I will be reminding everybody uh, via social media and, of course, on TrickyKid.com. Once again, my guest, Colton Tapp, we thank you so much. To all everybody watching on Tricky Kid Television out there, Colton Tapp, Mm. three days in August. We'll see you soon, my friend. Thanks, brother. Cheers. Again, I want to thank Colton Tapp for coming on. Again, three days in August is going to, uh, uh, on December the 9th, uh, special preview on December the 8th. Uh, Looking forward to that uh, actually this evening. I uh, wanted to tell you about a couple of different uh, events coming up um, that I'm going to be a part of. First, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, first one is, of course, is, is Office Furniture to Go. You can find us on the web at trickykid.com. That's T R I C K Y hyphen K I D.com. You'll see the the blinking little banner there. If you want to click on that and get something for, for Christmas for yourself or for a loved one, whatever. Uh, Make sure you go ahead and use our code there, or just use the link. It'll take you right there. Uh, a couple of great things, especially speaking of Christmas coming up, uh, that's going to be for the holidays. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, December seventeenth at a awesome, awesome retro arcade uh, right out between between Dallas and Fort Worth in a town called Bedford. But it's called the Quarter Lounge. It's fantastic. It's like walking into a time machine. It's not an appropriation. It is the real deal. Uh, all the games are twenty five cents. Um, uh, pinball is 50 cents and it just feels like that that old cool strip mall kind of arcade from back when we were kids 
anyway, I'm going to be performing uh, as my alter ego, DJ Tricky Kid, uh, with an awesome, awesome hip-hop uh, local artist uh, named Tech Force. And Tech Force is really cool, man. He does a lot of this kind of more of the uh, kind of the nerd core, kind of nerd genre, where um, he, I mean, his album's called Tech Support. So he's rapping about a lot of, you know, like computer, you know, retro, gamey type kind of thing. So it's the perfect location. Uh, and the perfect matchup. Uh, I met him uh, when I actually DJed the grand opening for this this arcade, and we hit it off very very well. And so, man, we're going to be throwing down on December the seventeenth. It's going to be an uh, an all day party, but we're gonna our performance is going to be at seven thirty. There's going to be a pinball tournament. Uh, I'm going to be screening a lot of my rare uh, holiday cartoons, like I was mentioning earlier, maybe, and, and also a few from Rankin Bass as well. Um. There's going to be an ornament workshop. Uh, I, I wanted to plug something that's going to be also very, very important to this is, as you saw that we, when we uh, spoke last week on our New Orleans episode, is that we're going to, it's also going to be a toy drive. I do a toy drive every year. But this year it's going to be even extra special because it's going to be part of uh, Launch Louisiana uh, for the Cajun Relief Foundation as part of the special thing called uh, Cajun Christmas and learning how to be a Cajun Santa by donating toys and a, a donation uh, of coats, especially for kids. Uh, a lot of the coats that are coming in are for adults. We actually very badly need coats for, for kids. And you can go to coatsforcages.com to learn more about that. Uh, but uh, again, you don't have to, you can't make it on December the 17th. Feel free to drop by the arcade any time between now uh, and December 19th. We'll be collecting coats uh, and new unwrapped toys. But we do hope you can join us here on the 17th. It's gonna be a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, but please, uh, there'll be more information on trickykid.com, the links to these uh, these different uh, charities. They're all part of benefiting this, you know, to give some relief to this horrible situation that's happening uh, in Louisiana. It's being spearheaded by Shannon uh, Forrestal that we had on the show last week. That's an awesome, awesome person doing a lot of great work down there. Uh, so anyway, uh, and again, of course, you can find us on Twitter uh, at uh, hyphen, I'm sorry, the handle is a tricky kid in the number two. So, uh, so now talking about Rankin Bass again, you know, we all grew up with it. It's a, it's a cornerstone of, of Christmas. Uh, it's very, very unique. There's really nothing like it. It's just, uh, you know, it's done well. There's a lot of heart in it. And I kind of wanted to, uh, you know, obviously Rick is the historian, the historian. He can, uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear some things he's going to, going to, uh, be sharing with us. But I wanted to tell you a little bit about them. The company was founded by, Arthur Rankin and Jules Bass uh, back in 1960. It was originally it was called Video Craft International, uh, but in the, the majority of the work, uh, including all of their what they call the Animagic stop motion uh, productions, uh, actually was recorded created in Japan. Uh, they're traditional cell animated works, and since the 70s, uh, they were animated by a Japanese studio called Topcraft. Uh, which was formed in 1972 as an offshoot of, uh, of Toei Animation. Um, there is so much, the cast that they have and the team that they had together, is just, it's unbelievable uh, for the narrations and all those type of things, for all the ones that, that you uh, remember. Uh, probably the most notable voice is probably Paul Freese. He provided the voices for the Sea Captain, um, and of course, the three wise men and one of my all-time favorite characters anywhere, the Burgermeister Meister Burger uh, from Santa Claus is coming to town. Um, 
he also, of course, was the traffic cop in, in Frosty the Snowman. Um, uh, gosh, what else? He was Jack Frost. He was even Santa Claus. Uh, he actually was actually Santa Claus in, in Frosty the Snowman and, and uh, Rudolph's Shiny New Year. And, of course, you'll recognize a lot of the celebrity voices that have, uh, that have you know, narrated um, throughout the years. Of course, we've obviously Andy Griffith. Uh, Casey Kasem, uh, you know, just to name a few, Mickey Rooney, uh, Phyllis Diller, Jeff Bridges, so, so many. Um, one of my favorites, I would have to say, um, going down, I mean, I, it's kind of hard to kind of pick one, isn't it? But uh, the, the kind of one of the whole things like we're talking about, you know, celebrity voices and stuff, whatever was, uh, in 1969, Jimmy Durant sang, of course, and told the story of, of Frosty the Snowman. But, you know, it kind of started with, for them, with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, which, of course, is a mainstay uh, now. Uh, it, it's there in their, I know you've seen it, you've seen it every year. It's in their stop-motion uh, staple. It's an adaptation, of course, of the Johnny Marks song. Uh, it was made into a cartoon. And, of course, it's narrated by the great Burl Ives, which you can't, you know, you, I mean, how do you not love him in the role of Sam, Sam the Snowman? And, uh... And one thing I love about, obviously, about Rudolph, another great character, of course, is Yukon Cornelius, which has kind of turned into a bit of a, of a, of a, in, in this age of memes and hipsters, in a, a bit of a, of a, uh, of a character himself. Uh, so it's grown on onto a life of its own. But um, yeah, you know, it came out in you know the early '60s. It stayed with NBC until around 1972, and of course, it runs several times during, uh, you know, the Christmas season. Um, I would have to say, however, um, you know, there's so many of these, you know, that I like um, that even outside of Christmas, you know, we're going to focus on, of course, Santa Claus is coming to town, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, uh, you know, that that would be the ones. But there was another Christmas one that isn't stop motion. It was just uh, uh, traditional animation. And it's probably my favorite. And it is the one. Or twas the night before Christmas, and I know a lot of you will uh, remember it because it, it, it were very, very genius to use mice as the uh, protagonist, the main, the main characters, and and Santa Claus actually has a, has a very minor role in this, and he's kind of uh, kind of odd looking at the end. Uh, he doesn't doesn't talk a whole lot. Uh, but it's always one of my favorites, and I wanted to talk about uh, not only the, you know, the music from this, but the music from all the Rankin-Bass productions. Um, but one thing uh, that I really, really enjoyed was Twas Out Before Christmas, of course, came out in 1974. Um, it's, of course, it's based on the, the, the famous 1823 poem that opens, of course, with the line, Twas the Night Before Christmas. Uh, it's it first aired in 1974. And it uh, it airs pretty much it aired annually uh, until around the 90s, and then now you'll see it sometimes in syndication. Uh, I actually just saw it this year, so I was very excited. I haven't seen it seen it in, in a few years. Uh, but if you might you might remember, it's the one where it's it's set in a fictional town in in, in Junctionville, which is supposed to be in New York, kind of around the turn, turn of the 20th century where Santa Claus actually is offended by this anonymous letter that's printed in the town's newspaper, signed all of us, you know, kind of, you know, claiming he didn't exist. 
so in response, Santa says, oh yeah, and he returns the entire town's letters to them unopened, which is, you know, kind of a, uh, a unique take on it. And, uh, but Father Mouse is, it, it really suspects that it's his brainy son, Albert. And, uh, and so what he decides to do is he finds this clockmaker, uh, and they devise a plan to appease Santa by building a singing clock tower for him. And it's built with a special recording to play a song to, you know, ask him, please don't, don't pass us by. And it's a, a metaphor for so much. It's so great. If you haven't seen it, I, I can't begin to tell you what this means to me, but uh, there's a song from Twas a Night uh, Before Christmas from this specific show called Even a Miracle Needs a Hand, which is, you know, a song of hope and, you know, with the town all, you know, kind of joins together in, in unification, um, kind of like what Christmas is about, you know, everybody joining together and just um, make it, that's what makes it a special time. People kind of tend to kind of think less about themselves and and more about, you know, each other, their families, and just the world as a whole. And so it's a great story about them coming together. And again, Even a Miracle Needs a Hand. It's an original song. And I wanted to play it for you. Uh, and I also wanted to talk about uh, who wrote it. Uh, the great Maury Laws, who, again, uh, which is so great because Maury just celebrated, literally yesterday, his 93rd birthday. So I'm going to, uh, so we want to say happy birthday to Mari Laws, who was still rocking and still writing great music uh, uh, and producing a lot of great stuff at 93 years young. What an inspiration Mari is. So I'm going to, I want to go ahead and play you, uh, Even a Miracle Needs a Hand, and I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about Mari. Winter came and things got tough for the Trundles. And if you think they had it bad, we'd have swapped our whiskers for a peanut shell or a round ripe apple seed, but meals don't fall from empty tables. Then finally it was Christmas Eve. No sense in hanging stockings, Dad. There's no one to fill them this year, unless you believe in miracles. Now, don't go saying that. The night's not over yet. There's... there's always hope. Miracles happen most every day to people like you and me. But don't expect a miracle unless you help make it to be. So you hope and I'll hurry. You pray and I'll plan. We'll do what's necessary Cause even a miracle needs a hand You love and I'll labor You sit and I'll stand Get help from our next door neighbor Cause even a miracle needs a hand We'll help our maker to make our dreams come true But I can't do it alone So here's what we're gonna do You hope, we hope and I'll hurry da -da -da. You pray, pray and I'll plan da -da -da. We'll do what's necessary Cause even a miracle needs a hand 
with Arthur Rankin and just took the ball and ran with it. And he has been doing this for about 25, almost 25 years now, uh, a large chunk of his life to preserve um, the history and the legacy and the continued legacy and history of, uh, of Rankin Bass uh, and their, of course, their, their, their holiday specials. He's written books. He makes several appearances a year at, at, at cons. So I, I implore you that to, um, to 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 check him out. Check out his sign. If you go to um, to uh, Rankin Bass Blogspot, uh, of course he's available on Twitter and Facebook. You just type in Rick Goldschmidt, you'll be able to find his links there and stuff. But uh, I again I couldn't I couldn't illustrate enough uh, or or exaggerate enough. The work and how impressive it is that you know the stuff he has done uh, that goes into that. So anyway, without any further ado, let's. I want to bring on to the show Rankin Bass historian Rick Goldschmidt. Historian Rick Goldschmidt. Rick, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, you and I have been trying to do this for quite a while, uh, about two years in the making. We discussed that earlier. Right. Uh, I am happy to be in your presence, sir. Uh, let's let people uh, know a little bit, a uh, little, little basics, and then we'll get into the good stuff here. When did you become the official or unofficial historian for Rankin Bass? Well, it was uh, not too long after I got out of college in the late 80s and uh, started working in as an artist doing illustrations for freelance illustrations for different publications and I started talking to Jack Davis in particular oh good good because I love his art and Paul Coker jr. not too long after that he's the a man little, was a little harder to get a hold of and uh, found out from both of them that they were still doing projects every now and then for Arthur Rankin okay and it had been a long time since I've heard anything about Arthur Rankin and Jules Bass. For sure, for sure. I thought, why isn't there a book? What year was this? This was around 91, okay. 92. Now, what was your personal experience with Rankin Bass prior to that? Meaning, that did you was this a series of circumstances that led you to this, or was this something that you were already a bit of a, of a, a fanatic as a kid? No, I, I think what happened was I would go to movie conventions and so forth and I would pick up odds and ends of things that I just learned about Rankin Bass like the movie The Daydreamer I found the lobby cards I found the poster to Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July I found the comic book for Mad Monster Party and I thought all of this would be really good in a book for sure, for sure. and uh, I called Arthur up in Bermuda Paul Coker gave me his number, and I called him up from work, and I said, there should be a book, and he thought I was another person calling him up, wanting something like a puppet or something. Oh, right, sure. And, a usual request, I'm sure he gets a lot of Yeah, and uh, I think he also heard from people that said they wanted to do books, but never followed through. Okay. So I went and did two chapters. He wanted to see two chapters. Like show, show me the goods. Right? I pieced them together on a very primitive computer. I didn't even own a computer at the time. Sent it in the mail to him, and the next thing he did was he recorded a little tiny, like almost like a dat tape okay. of his life story, um, how he got into the business. For the book. For the book. 
So what do you think? What do you think inspired him so much about it? Then? I mean, because I mean, he wouldn't just do that for anybody. He knew I was serious. Okay. Uh, and, and having I was Paul Coker's. Uh, yeah, yeah, Paul Coker and Jack Davis, and he could just see that that I was going to go ahead. Now he decided to call it a portfolio because obviously it wasn't his life story, like a textbook about sure. what happened in his life. It was more of showing everything that they did in the body of their work as far as television series, right. uh, TV specials, and films. And uh, what, was, what was the most shocking or, or rev- revelatory thing that you found out when he recorded that? Something that you had no idea about? Well, it, it's more of the, the fact that they did so much. Yeah, you know how prolific they were. You think uh, Rudolph and Santa Claus is coming to town and the little drummer boy, but then when you start seeing that they did The Hobbit, yeah, and right. Thundercats, right, and Jackson Five show and the Osmonds and you know the list goes on and on. King Kong escapes and now, the King you were, Kong show. Right, right. Now when you were watching these shows as a young person, you had no idea about the connection, correct? Well, I used to see that little logo at the end that right, we have sure. T-shirts of yeah. with the little flute music that Maury Laws did, and I thought, man, they did a lot of great stuff, even as a kid, Yeah, um, you know, with the King Kong show, and I watched the Jackson 5s. And I the, did too, yeah. All of those shows, Saturday morning shows. In syndication later, of course. And the ABC Saturday Superstar movie with yeah. Mad, Mad, Mad Monsters. Right. And, and some of the things they did on there. And I knew uh, Festival of Family Classics. It was all tied together, but I didn't know Arthur went into doing live-action films like The Last Dinosaur and The Bermuda Depths for the ABC Friday Night Movie. And <laughs> I mean, they just did so much, you know. Yeah. Um, and when you do that much work, your family, your personal life uh, struggles a little sure, bit, sure. too, because... You're just constantly immersed in, in projects. And sometimes they were doing two, three, four projects at once. You know, one for right. ABC, one for NBC, one for CBS. Because there was nothing like it. There was yeah. nobody else doing that. Is that there why they were no getting one else so much doing that. And, and And it was done in a, in a much better way, in my opinion, than things get greenlit today. Sure, sure. Where he would go in, he would say, this is what we want to do. Can you do it for this much money? Yes. Go to work on it. Right. Eight months later, nine months later, ten months later, they come back and have the finished product. So it's now it's like it has to go through focus groups. Right, and, right, right. You know, they're looking for budgetary things and so forth. It's not the same. And I think Rankin Bass had an easier time keeping things high quality throughout. And that's another thing that I, I, I'm really impressed by is the quality of everything. Whether I like it or not, um, it still has a good quality to it, like um, The Flight of Dragons, okay. um, The is Life that... and Adventures of Santa Claus. Yes, yes. Some of the yes. more obscure things that you can see, they went into it and they tried to capture a particular style, right. a particular look. Um, a certain style of music and so forth, and they did. Yeah, you know, they right, right. they were successful. Now, some of them Arthur didn't even like when they were done, like the Return of the King, 
Right, okay. He didn't like the life and adventures of Santa Claus. But him being the perfectionist that he is, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it might have been, he likes, like myself, we're both artists, maybe he likes more fun, holiday, happy things. And those were more um, medieval... <laughs> But uh, now, but tell me this: What is the intangible magic that is Rankin Bass? And here's what I want to put to you: Okay, you could say it's the stop-start motion thing, or you could. But at the same time, also the animation is because, like, my favorite is like, okay, let's say, of course, you know, uh, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? But Twas the Night Before Christmas with the with the mice. That is my favorite. That is my favorite thing in the world. That's so, a great one. So they're able to capture both of, of that magic in two separate mediums. Right. What is that? What is the intangible magic of Rankin Bass? Well, uh, the style in the cell animated stuff, like the Twas the Night Before Christmas that you're talking about, is a Paul Coker look to a T. Yes. Yes. Um, his style is so fun and so distinct. Yes. Uh, Frosty. And, and meeting him last year was such a great pleasure for me. Oh, for sure. yeah. He's a super, super nice guy and has a great sense of humor. That's why he's been working for Mad Magazine almost since the beginning. Yeah. I think he said he joined officially in 62. Um, when he and, I, he and I talked last year, because from 84 to pretty much about 89, Mad Magazine was my entire existence. So, and, <laughs> you know, obviously Kit Lively sitting next to us here. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, but 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 what is it though? I mean I mean you was you were growing up as a kid. Uh, you mentioned a while ago about how they're better than things out now. You still see them every single year. They're done really really well. You can see all these things, but it, none of them for me satisfy. There's something else. There's well, something else that transcends when I see all this stuff. You know you could say nostalgia or all all the usual suspects, right? But in this case... Well, if you want to break it down to the core of what you're talking about, you have to start with the writing by Romeo Muller Jr. Um, His writing was very unique in that he had the villains reform, like the Bumble and the Winter Warlock and, and all these great characters. And he put a lot of heart into it, which is totally missing from a lot of today's entertainment. It's all very superficial, and there's no moral values to them anymore. But they're also honest. They never lie. Right. You know? It's almost kind of like you can connect them almost to the Garbage Pail Kids. Like, (laughs) because the Garbage Pail Kids never lie, right? Right. There's something about the whole thing. Like, uh, let me ask you this. What was the inspiration, do you know the story, of of the Burgermeister Meister Burger? (laughs) Well, that particular character is one of the only ones that didn't reform. Uh, his picture right. just ends up falling off the wall, and they say he went, he, he lost his power or whatever. Um, but Paul Freeze, who voiced that character, that's one of his most distinct, recognizable characters yes, of the is. whole Rankin Bass catalog. Just like the Heat Miser and Snow Miser. Sure, um, sure. Everybody knows and loves the Heat Miser and Snow Miser. It's one of those characters that you just capture in so great a way that they transcend the special that they're in and just become 
such a classic part of the holidays. Yeah, you know, for sure. Um, and, and Rudolph Yukon is like that, and right. and Hermie. Uh, yeah, Hermie actually is a big inspiration for a lot of dentists around the, I always the wondered, world. I always wondered why that. Why did he want to be a dentist? That's so awesome. <laughs> uh, again, Romeo Muller, uh, the writing of Romeo Muller. He actually wrote a lot of his personal friends and family into stories. And maybe he knew a dentist and based that particular character like maybe there off was his somebody. friend. Right. Because uh, I know he did that with Clarice. Okay. Clarice was a friend of his. I think I read that somewhere. He was a close friend with someone named Clarice who was afraid of monsters peeking over um, hills where the bumble peeks out right, uh, right before the commercial break in, uh, in one of the part of the Rudolph special. So there's, there's all kinds of um, things that he actually wrote from his life experiences that Which is, you always write what you know right it's what <laughs> right. makes it so genuine right but even the music though okay and again I'm very partial but twas the night before Christmas with, with, with the mice yeah this song even a miracle needs a hand right if I, I could hear that in April and I would start bawling I'm not kidding like, <laughs> like it just hits me and it, and it did then too well um Maury Laws gave me a copy of the lyrics, which were never published before, for a, um, I heard from a person that had a, a child with some kind of disability or some kind of illness that wanted to use it uh, on a website or something, and uh, Maury just gave that to me immediately after oh hearing that. God. And that's the kind of story, the song that it is, you know, it's yeah, a, even a, miracle needs it's a heartwarming you know, miracle type song. Yeah, and so is um, one star in the night in the little drummer boy. Yeah, I thought that was a classic Christmas carol, but I found out that was something Jules Bass and Maury Laws actually wrote. I actually knew knew that too, which is amazing. That's yeah. what I mean. Like that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's such a great classic song that you you just can't believe that. It emanated from that special in '68. I thought it was something that came out of, sure. you know, the 1800s or something. <laughs> yeah, oh, an old staple. Something. It's like a House of the Rising Sun. Yeah, right. Something that you don't know where it came from. Right. You know? Right. Um, so, uh, another thing about the music part of it is Maury Laws, more than anyone, captured what Christmas is all about. And, and, and you hear that in Twas the Night Before Christmas. For sure. You hear the bouncy kind of glockenspiel. Um, yeah. You know, right. he always put that kind of pop into the holiday music yeah. that a lot of people don't understand yeah. what classic holiday music should sound like. Right, right. You it know? has to have those, those woodwind instruments. Right. It has to have that kind of earth tone to it, you know. And it has to have a, a bouncy holiday type right. feel where now, you know, they write songs about shoes. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they write songs about different things, but they write it in a style that's more like a pop music that you would hear on the right, Disney sure. Channel. Right, right, it's right, not right. like... Um, you know, jingle bells from whenever that came from. For sure. But I, I think in terms of just, even even if people did today, I still can't help but think that this would still rise above. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's still something that's so perfect. It's perfect, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Arthur Rankin and Jules Bess chose great talent. 
And once they did that, they stuck with the group of people they worked with for a long time. Yeah. And th those people can't be surpassed as far as, you know, talent. Yeah. I haven't seen it in anything. The only things that are even close to what Rankin Bass did holiday-wise are a Charlie Brown Christmas of course, of course. and how the Grinch stole Christmas. That's right. And those continue to air year after year, just like the Rankin Bass specials. But the Rankin Bass specials have such a perfect yeah, quality perfect. to them. And those two are perfect too. I mean, Charles Schultz, an yeah. absolute genius. A Charlie Brown Christmas. There's a reason why it is kind of the undisputed king there. Right. But, but without turning into a competition, though, there are a few things in life that are perfect. And, and <laughs> like I said, we just named maybe three of them. There's a reason why there's the Rankin Bass catalog. The Peanuts Gang catalog, and uh, and how the Grinch stole Christmas. Right, you know? right. Well, when I look at the Rankin Bass stuff, though, uh, it's something a little different um, than the other ones that we talked about. Uh, Grinch and Charlie Brown. Those are sort of the Grinch was out of a book, and Charlie Brown was out of a comic strip. What? The the Rankin Bass specials took the iconic Christmas characters like Santa Claus, Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed right. Reindeer. And what they did was they took them from a short song or a short book and they created the whole backstory to these characters. So when we think of Santa Claus, we know how he became Santa Claus from right. Santa Claus is coming to town. And he's more of a person to us rather than just an image. That's right, that's right. So Rudolph, we know Rudolph thinks he's cute <laughs> right. because Clarice said that. And we know how Rudolph began to fly and how they overcame the bumble and all of that, but the island, the misfit toys. Right. There's all this backstory now that we know from the TV specials, and that's why they're so important to us, and we have to watch them every Christmas or we don't get in the mood right. for or the holiday. Right, we don't feel completely. At least I know right. I don't. Right, right. But you're right, though. It, it, it took something that we already knew, but it created this mythology right. that you think that they're just... Uh, extrapolating on, but they are actually, they're intertwined. You, there's no way to, to <laughs> untwine them. Right. Correct? I mean, right. when you, there's no way to separate the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or, or even the Gene Autry uh, song uh, with, without the rank and bass thing. It, it's a part of the fabric of that. There's no right. way to, to undo it, correct? And I think they're the iconic versions yeah. of the character, too. I mean, we know the Rudolph song, and we know the Rudolph Montgomery Ward book, Right. but the Rudolph in the television special is Rudolph. That's right, the vo that little voice. The voice and the, the way his nose glows, the whole backstory with the Island of Misfit Toys yeah. and all that. That's the stuff that we all genius. remember. Genius. <laughs> like the pinnacle of like human mankind genius. Like, right, I mean, <laughs> right. And then, um, you know... I'm proud to be associated with all this. I'm, I'm, and I'm proud to be talking to you as well about it. What it, is your official title? It's the Rankin Bass Historian Biographer. Um, For how long? Since what year? Since the, the early 1990s. So okay. it's, it's been a, it's been about uh, almost 30 years. But this, I mean, this changed your life. It changed. Oh yeah. I'm talking about just 
it changed all of our lives and enriched our lives. But your passion for it, and then you took your ambition, okay, to actually call Arthur Rankin on the phone, <laughs> and here we are 30 years later, and you're still doing it. I mean, this changed your life. Yeah, it's become such a part of my life. Right. November and December are always busy for me. Sure. And uh, I enjoy appearances and, and television and radio things. And uh, at this particular con here in Dallas, with our great host Chris, uh, my friend Gary Busk brought the original Animagic figure from the Ballad of Smokey the Bear with James Cagney, which I'm looking at right now, <laughs> which is unbelievable. And, uh, and you'll be able to see pictures of this uh, on the website on TrickyKid.com. I'm going to put up some for our, our Twitter followers as well. And it's been 50 years this Thanksgiving that the special aired, the same day that the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade had a balloon of Smokey to yeah. promote the show. So it's just great to see an iconic piece like this. And there's really only about a dozen that I know of in existence in the U.S. Um, that you can actually say, hey, I saw a real Animagic puppet it's that was right used here in on front the screen. Right. <laughs> and uh, this is the iconic version of Smokey, too. He's got his his cap and his, uh, his shovel to put out fires, forest fires, and it's the big version of Smokey that appears at the beginning and the end of the, the special, but primarily during the special, it's the small little uh, cub bear Smokey who's learning uh, his things about his life that kind of gear him towards becoming the, the forest ranger that he right. was. Right, right, right. Um, so it's kind of interesting. That's the whole backstory on, on Smokey. But it just didn't last the same way that the holiday things did, because you know networks, if the ratings go down one year, then they take it off the air and it disappears uh, for a long time. Uh, but I make DVDs of of the special and make them available to the fans, just I, like I, I see do this here, right? Yeah. A lot of rare things like Willie McBean and his magic machine. Yeah, um, Rudolph with the commercials, the mad, mad, mad comedians. Tell people wh where they can find you online and where they can actually can get this stuff. Well, our website is miserbros.com, like the Heat Miser and Snow Miser. And um, I also keep a blog at the Enchanted World of RankinBass.blogspot.com. Okay. And I'm on Facebook too, and we have a Rankin Bass Facebook page and. Uh, a documentary Facebook page too for okay. the Enchanted World of Rankin Bass documentary. So I'm pretty Which uh, is fantastic. By available. The way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Last question. So for me, let me say this. Okay. For me, I'm such a Christmas fanatic that the day after Thanksgiving, okay, from that day until the day after Christmas, I don't listen to anything, not music that's not Christmas. I don't watch anything that's not Christmas. <laughs> I'm actually famous among my friends and family for trying to avoid conversations that don't somehow lead to Christmas. I'll say something like, I'll say something like, I see your point, but what does this have to do with Christmas? <laughs> so for you, but if I heard anything of like Christmas or Christmas song just by happenstance, 
in March or April, I immediately have to plug my ears because I don't want it to <laughs> take away. So for you doing this all year round, does it does it compromise anything for you? No, no, because different things are more popular during certain times of year, like uh, Halloween, Mad Monster Party right. is big with, with what I do. And, you know, there's there's actually a special for every holiday that Rankin Bass did. That's true. Like the Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. For I always watch that at St. Patrick's Day. Right. Um, Groundhog Day. Um, you got uh, Jack Frost. Right. <laughs> you know, the, well, what if people, things, what if somebody wanted to call you in, in July and wanted to buy some stuff and wanted oh, yeah. to keep you on the phone. You know, what what I mean is it's a it's a mindset. Does that does that do anything to compromise that? You know, like when you have to be in that mindset in July, is that is that is that hard to do for you? Um, not really, no. And and it's not like it ruins everything for me either because right. I enjoy it more during the holidays because of what I do. Right, right. And it gets so busy at times, I can't do anything but pack mail. Yeah. But I like um, extending the holiday a little bit past New Year's and just enjoying it a little bit more after yeah. all that hard work. And uh, it's it's still a special time of year for me. That's so wonderful. it doesn't take away. I don't watch the specials in the off season though too much i might put them on on a tv while i'm signing books or something right okay um but i don't watch you know from beginning to end i want to ask you pay that attention too. to it even at christmas time it's hard for me to do that and it was always hard for arthur to do that too um, but but why though because just because you know it's it's a busy time um I got my mind is spinning right from the things I can do, what I need to do, um, what I need to work on. So it just gets kind of hectic. But I don't want it to, you know, this is great, but it can't compromise your Christmas. No, no, no. I I set aside times to enjoy uh, some of them that I haven't watched in a long time. Okay. Like Twas the Night Before Christmas on Blu ray. Um, Or. Um, Pinocchio's Christmas I haven't watched all that much and you know there's a bunch of them like that so what is your favorite non-Rinkin Bass Christmas project um oh besides besides Charlie Brown of course and and Grinch (laughs) um I like a lot of movies a lot of old TV show uh Christmas episodes me too I like the obscure stuff yeah I I I find new stuff every yeah, year too. too. Me too. Like uh, Perry Como's Christmas, right, right, and um, oh, what's that guy's name? I have some of his albums. Um, Mel Torme, the singer. No, no, no. Um, the group of singers that uh, that sang as a group. Oh, the Tin Tenors. No, no. More famous than that. Uh, Mannheim Steamroller. No, no. These are '60s uh, shows. Okay. From uh, mid '60s, but I have all their albums, and then I, I saw one of their specials on PBS, and I need to pick that up. It's really cool. My um, my, my collection and appetite is voracious to the point where even if I know that they're bad, like for example, to all my friends <laughs> that are listening out there, they have to sit Christmas outfits, but they're not really a famous. Uh, singing group or whatever, but those are the things I, I really to actually to speak to somebody that does Christmas professionally, <laughs> that has was inspired enough to actually make it 
their profession and their life, uh, inspired by the, the unbelievably genius legacy of Rankin Bass. The pleasure's been all mine. And let me be the first. I know it's a little early. It's only November 5th, but let me say to you, Merry Christmas, sir, and Happy Holidays. Well, this will be a pretty Merry Christmas because we're coming out with the 20th anniversary book of The Enchanted World of Rankin Bass, and it's jam-packed with extra stuff okay. that I just found in the last year or so. So there's going to be an update to the book An updated up. version um, that and I'm where, really where excited about. That? At miserbros.com. Once again. M-I-S-E-R-B-R-O-S dot com. And are pre-orders already being taken for now? <laughs> pre-orders are coming in right okay. now as we speak. And uh, it should be out in a few weeks, close to Thanksgiving or Black Friday. Okay. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it because it's been through so many editions. Yes, yes. And this is, like, better than the last. So... Uh, we keep making it better, and I don't know of any book that keeps coming out and it's better every time it comes out. Yeah. But this is the one that I'm really happy that to keep it going. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, so and awesome. I want to see it going on and on. I want to see a 20th, a 30th, a 40th, a 50th. Uh, again, like I said, for this to continue going on and for you being instrumental in perpetuating something so magical and so perfect. Bless you, my friend. And once again, happy holidays. Happy holidays. And uh, Thanks and it, for having me. Absolutely. And once again, get your pre-order for the 20th anniversary of the uh, the Enchanted World of Rankin Bass by Rick Goldschmidt. And look him up on Facebook. Uh, check out his blog spot. And happy holidays, everybody. We're just getting started, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> thank you. Once again, I want to thank uh, Rankin Bass historian Rick Goldschmidt for coming on. What a, what a good time that was. I want to thank... Uh, my other guest, of course, Colton Cat, for coming back on the show. Uh, check out his movie, Three Days in August, coming out this week. And as you uh, heard Rick say there at the end of the interview, uh, that the, you can already go ahead and get uh, the updated version of The Enchanted World of Rankin Bass, which is fantastic. It would be a great gift for yourself, great gift for anybody. Um, anyway, and so uh, that brings us to a close. You know, I, I wanted to mention something uh, else. I hate to leave us on a on a downer. This week, especially it being our holiday episode, and uh, and at a time of of cheer, of cheer and joy and everything else, but uh, I wanted to have a, a special dedication to to, uh, to someone who's very special to me, uh, whose music has been a, a major inspiration uh, in this crazy year of political chaos and so much loss. Uh, unfortunately, it seems to continue as we lost the great Sharon Jones uh, to cancer. Um, this past week, and it for me personally, it's been devastating. Um, I uh, can't claim to to uh, have known Sharon uh, on, on too much of a personal level, even though we we had had a uh, a great friendly rapport over the years, and uh, and I has was blessed by being able to see her perform live many many times, most notably, and also the actually the very last time that I saw her actually was at Christmas time at the Apollo Theater uh, in 2014, two Christmases ago. Uh, one of the greatest nights of my entire life. Um, it was, the, of course, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings for the, the Dap Tone Soul review for Christmas time. And, and they were they had just come out with, um, well, actually, it hadn't, I don't think it had come out yet, but uh, they, were, they were about to put together a thing called It's a Holiday Soul Party. It was a Christmas album, but 
but I know that night was recorded live. Charles Bradley was there. Uh, there were so many great people from the Daptone label. Um, one of the greatest nights of my life, the greatest setting at the Apollo Theater. And it was also a crazy night. Uh, I think it was the night that the Eric Garner verdict had been read. And, and it was a very rainy night. And you know, we were all needing some healing and some solace. And boy, uh, did we find it uh, there. Uh, with everybody that was there, but especially with Sharon coming in. And, and it was a celebratory night as well because Sharon had just gotten over cancer. She had, she had, had beat the first round of it, but uh, unfortunately, and she kept on fighting. And I, I'll never forget what she said that night. She said, cancer, she goes, you got to get up. You got to get out. You got to get out of being. Uh, you know, she said she had cancer, but cancer didn't have her. And that was true uh, that night. And it was true for for many years, but uh, unfortunately, uh, Sharon Jones has lost her, her her battle with cancer, and so I, I hate to, to leave on such a sour note. But I wanted to I wanted to make a special dedication and uh, and a tribute to the great Sharon Jones. Um, and again, I wanted to play you something so awesome that I'll always remember from the "It's a Holiday Soul Party." There's some traditional cuts on it, but uh, at the same time, there's some really great original stuff. I wanted to mention that last year. My oldest and best friend, Chris Todd, uh, got me the Holiday Soul Party in a very special 7-inch collection where all the songs were broken down into A and B sides, and it was all wrapped like a like an old school Christmas gift with the, with the shoestring and the whole bit, something very, very special to me. And so I'm going to play you something from that actual record, the actual record that I got for Christmas last year. This is a song called Ain't no chimneys in the projects, which just by the name alone kind of gives you an idea of just how cool and real and powerful uh, Sharon Jones is and was and always will be. Uh, again, you know where you, where you can find me uh, on Twitter at uh, TrickyKid2. Go to tricky-kid.com. Uh, you can actually can reach me personally uh, both places there. We uh, appreciate you looking us up on, on Facebook and giving us a like at Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. And again, uh, to all our listeners out there, we uh, appreciate you listening. Um, hope you enjoyed this this uh, year's Christmas episode. And I want to say to everybody, Merry Christmas uh, and Happy Holidays. And again, uh, Sharon, we love you. Going to miss you intensely and forever. Uh, so this is, again, Ain't No Chimneys in the Projects from the great Sharon Jones. Merry Christmas, everyone.
Was a sense of who got 